hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey, and welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, an adulting advice podcast production. I'm Danny Sheriff, and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. Let's dive in. And guys, please remember that I am not a doctor and nothing on this show should be taken as medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. Before we jump into today's conversation, to today's conversation, words, <sighs> I wanted to let you guys know that next week the HA Society opens and in honor of that, the amazing Ashley Smith, my co-host over inside of the society and myself are hosting a live session. The name of it is still TBD. By the time this comes out, we might have a decision, but it's basically a live session where we're all going to explore what stops us from embracing our recovery. We're going to do a 60-minute Zoom session where we dive into the true feelings, the mindset roadblocks, and the struggles that you're having with HA. So you'll actually bring a pen and paper and Ashley will walk you through some prompts and get you to dive a little deeper into like what's holding you back or what is it that's really challenging you and upsetting you and making this process really difficult and then towards the end we're going to come away with some huge clarity and some cool takeaways that are really going to help you stay the course and feel amazing about yourself your body image what's happening during this wild ride of a process and I think that you're gonna love it we have done well she has done a little bit of this inside of the HA society and she just loves doing it so we're bringing the live session out to you guys it's totally free and there's two sessions one on the 10th of february at 6 30 p.m 
and one on the 11th of February at 11.30 p.m. Those are central, but the idea is that there'll be one that works for all of the time zones, or there should be one that works for every time zone. So there's a link in the show notes to register for whichever one works best for you, or you can just go to webinar.theajsociety.com and yeah, you'll be able to register right there. Enjoy the show, guys. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I am joined here by Kim. Kim is, she's going to take us on her journey, but her and I started chatting on Instagram. She reached out, told me she went through this about three years ago, um, I think it was. And it's just really great to talk to people who have been through it and been through it for a while so they can really share about life afterwards and how things have changed and what you you're able to reintroduce what changed your life like what changes your life forever and so I'm hoping to hear those kinds of things from you Kim so Kim welcome tell us who you are all that good stuff yes thank you Danny so much for having me on your podcast and I love sharing my story So thankfully where I'm at right now, I have my period back regularly, but because of my own journey, I've done studying and I'm actually a women's health and mindset coach to help other women go through their journey. So um, everything I learned through my own journey and plus through my studies that I can help them get their periods back as soon as possible, because I know how much it impacted me. And um, so my story starts off with my first prep as a bikini competitor. That was a little over three years ago now, actually. And um, I was about two months out from my show and I stopped getting my period. And my sister-in-law, who's competed before too, kind of like pre-warned me about, you know, watching your diet still and all that kind of stuff. And when I told her I lost it, I was like, I'm confident I'll get it back. And did my show month goes by two months go by I don't get it back and around that time I coincidentally was just going for my yearly checkup with my gynecologist and uh what's the very first thing she wanted to do put me on hormone therapy and I was like hell no like I'm not even on birth control I'm like I'm not doing that I'm like you know I'm a yoga therapist as well so I'm like I'm doing it the natural way and so already I had quite a bit of knowledge so I started I changed my diet brought my healthy fats up because that's super important I think that's one thing um, that gets overlooked like you know there's all these fad diets low fat diets that women or men too become scared of fats but especially as women we need our healthy fats because it's so important for our reproductive hormones which are going to give us a period so increase that decrease my exercise I still exercise and then I really um tuned into my yoga practice, Uh, but not from a standpoint of Western yoga, like let's do 50 chaturangas in a, you know, in a class, I really like dove deep into my meditation, um, my pranayama, just even just gentle, light, um, stretching, like more of like a restorative practice at home. And I started doing acupuncture as well, which was super helpful, had um, herbal uh, treatment with my acupuncturist and seven months took me seven months to get it back and so after I got it back I really really wanted to compete again and uh but I was like I don't want to go through this like sure I'm not trying to get pregnant but I know that it's a sign you know as you probably know Danny they say it's our fifth vital sign our periods so I was like I just don't want to be doing this to my body again so everything that I like took into effect to get my period back, um, I took it into my next uh, prep. I even talked to my coach. I changed my diet and made my diet work. So I compromised some of the my carbs and increased my fats. And I did four. I was still probably at about 19% body fat, which isn't that low when I had lost my period. And But I was competing for a show. I was working full-time as an occupational therapist. I was doing some contract work as an occupational therapist. I was studying yoga therapy, teaching yoga at night, twice a week, and doing this prep, which takes like another 30 hours a week between training and like meal prep and stuff. And I, like, it was just more too much going on. And I say once I then cut my, really cut down my diet, like you do before a show, especially your fats, like, oh, I, 
the week before the show, I was literally maybe on 12 grams of fat, like nothing. And I say that was like the icing on the cake. Like this just really threw my hormones like out of control. Mm -hmm. So for my following preps, I just, I knew my prep was my focus. So I had to take or put, or just stop doing some other things, you know, just to give my body time to um, recover in between my training every single day. So of course I still like worked, but I stopped teaching yoga. I didn't do any more of my contract work during that time, especially as I got towards the end of prep and just like really even I would go for massages every Friday after the gym, I'd go for a massage. Um, I still had a social life, but I was just, uh, a lot more mindful of who I wanted to be around, who's going to lift me up. And I learned how to say no. And I think, you know, a lot of people have a hard time um, saying no, and you just have to say no. And it's, you're not being selfish. You're just being, you know, saying yes to yourself first. Mm -hmm. So those were like the really big things that I noticed shifted from my one prep to the other. And that kept me like healthy and able to do these other preps. And one thing like I really believe and um, is a huge value, say, with me as a coach is I really believe women could be a badass athlete, a badass mom, a badass CEO. You could have all these roles and still have a healthy, balanced body and your hormones don't have to be all like out of control and you lose your period or have other hormonal issues like losing your hair or, you know, can't lose weight. It's just becoming really mindful of what needs more attention at this time. As our life goes up and down like this, you're going to need to put focus in more areas. So if you need more focus in this area, I say you got to take maybe a little bit out of this container for now, but you could find that balance to, um, maintain a, a, a healthier balanced life. Okay. So I like this. So it's kind of like, instead of just trying to like make your pie bigger so that you can take more from every section of like your, you know, your three key things, like being a mother, being an athlete, having a solid career, instead of just trying to like make that pie bigger so that you can dedicate more resources, more resources to all of that. It's like, just being okay with, yes, that's important to me, but right now I'm not looking at that right now. I have to look at this and I'll come back to that. And so I love that. I I definitely do a very similar thing. I consider myself podcaster. I have a full-time job as a director of projects and I consider myself an artist and I'm an I'm a wife and a friend, but I can't, I cannot be all those things all of the time because that is so stressful. And we find ourselves sometimes trying to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can you, can you catch yourself, stop yourself and be like, it's okay that I don't do that this week. Like I, you know what? I don't have the space right now to be the perfect friend or daughter and like text or call my mom, but I will I will find the space next week. I need to focus on this thing and doing that mental work to be able to release yourself. I I love that. I think that I see what you're saying there with, with that. Yes, definitely. And even to help with like, if you want to say prioritize what needs to be addressed each day, but you know, I, I do this daily, but then, you know, on the grand scheme, maybe of the week is like, do you have a to-do list today, Danny? Yes. <laughs> and sometimes that to-do list is like 10 things, right? And you look at that and you get overwhelmed. And I'll, I even caught myself before I left here to Canada. I was like, oh my God, I have all this stuff to do. Uh-huh. And I stopped myself. So what I do in the morning, I set my intentions for the day, but I also have a success list. So when you say a success list, it kind of takes like that pressure off you. So pick three to five things that you are going to get done today. And that's your focus. So whether it's to do with your podcast or, you know, you're going to go to the gym or whatever it may be, those are your three things that you're going to do or, or up to five. You don't want to do 10 because then it's just going to get out of control, but like celebrate each one, each time you check it off, like just celebrate. Okay. I got this done. And it's going to like, help you with that ease and the flow of just not feeling so overwhelmed. And if you don't get the 10 things that would have been in your to-do list done, that is okay. There is like tomorrow to get things done. And you just learn to like kind of prioritize and 
then know where to like put your energy in. So you aren't feeling stressed out every day. You're not feeling completely burnt out. And especially, I mean, moms that are, um, are women that are moms, like, yeah, you want to be like the mom that gives everything to your kids. And like, I don't have kids yet myself. So I guess some women that are listening to this, but might be like, well, she can't fully relate, but I'm just Mm going to give this as a suggestion. If you have a 10 year old kid, um, you could start giving them chores and take a little bit off your own plate. And I know sometimes it's us, I'm a perfectionist, but it's like, I want the dishes done perfectly, but maybe it's okay if there's like a little, you know, dried up piece of food that didn't get washed completely perfectly by your 10 year old, but it could save you some time and like gives your kids a little bit of independence. Yeah. I love that this conversation is going in this direction, actually, because yes, a big thing for a lot of women is the stress aspect and they are eating more and, and doing less exercise and like, why isn't this working? I think this is stress, but how do I deal with it? And like this whole conversation has the project manager coming out in, out in me. You're so right. It's like, okay, you have this big long list, but what are the things you really need to get down to get done today? Because the chances are many of the things on this list are like relics from a different day and a different bunch of ideas that you had that don't need to be done today. You put it on your to-do list because last week, Monday looked open. Now you're here, you're at Monday and there's a lot more things on that list now. So you have to adjust and it is okay to then look at which which things can move and push them back like and just put them on another day. All you're really trying to do is make sure you don't forget that these things need to be done eventually, but they don't need to be done today. And I think that we think if I don't do it now, everything's going to build up and my world is going to explode, but Mm -hmm. really you push them back. And if you've pushed them back enough, you realize maybe I, maybe this isn't on my success list, right? Maybe this isn't as impactful as I thought it was going to be. And I'm going to remove it from the list. And the delegation piece is huge. I have to do this at work. I also don't have kids, but basically I put everything on my own plate. I think it's way easier for me to just do everything, but then there's a million things and I'm forced to delegate. And it's at that point that you're suddenly you've given it to all these other people or apps automations or removed it from your list entirely by just saying it doesn't need to be done and the stress is gone. And there are definitely ways everyone can do a little bit of that with their own life. I love it. It's such a good point. Yeah. And I mean, something as simple as I know it may cost a little bit, but like getting a cleaning cleaning person to come in once a month could free up like what, four or five hours? Like think of how much time you can do in four or five hours. So just, yeah, it's really just thinking of where you want to put your energy and, you know, where you feel like you can delegate it. But going back to the note that you or comment that you said about stress, um, that is one thing I like, or I do focus on a lot with, in my program with the women I work with. And I say nutrition and exercise is super important, but I say that's kind of like the superficial layer. It's the obvious, right? Like the low hanging fruit that we can, when we, when we first start looking at HA, okay, what can we easily sort of fix for some people? Some people are like, that's the hardest part to fix. Like, let's look at stress first, but yeah. But it's hard to fix on a mental. Mm -hmm. So, so that's where we have to like shift the, the mindset of it, but on a physical level, okay. Eat more exercise, less like that's tangible. Yeah. It seems more easy, but then when you get into the stress stuff and so I say like, that's like the deep dive, like we need to address this and like stress could be so many things from what you have on your plate, what we've been talking about, but like, let's take it even a little bit deeper and let's talk about what happened to you in your childhood. Maybe your adolescence, like that's places where people don't always want to go, but I don't know how much studying you've done, but I've done quite a bit of studying in this area that like what's happened in your childhood stuff could act, it gets like stuck in your body basically, and could impact us into our adulthood. And even though HA may have not come on until we were 27 years old, or like, even with me at, I was 32 at the time, um, some of my childhood stuff I know was impacting that as well. Um, I'm very open about speaking about this around that time. Um, I'd finally started healing from my sexual assault when I was eight years old. 
um, kind of suppress all that for what, 27 years. And I started healing from this. So that was kind of coming up as well. So I was working on healing all healing that with a hypnotherapist. So this stuff actually impacts us and it needs to get addressed. And it's not always the first thing that you're going to want to talk to to your coach or whoever may be working with you, but eventually it's something that might be the missing piece of the puzzle that could help. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love this, this stuff and, and not everyone, it doesn't have to be as, um, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this too. People will say, oh, but I've never been through a trauma like that. Like I've never been assaulted. I've never been poor. I've never lived in, lived in poverty. I've like, they're like, nothing really bad's ever happened to me. So like, why am I broken? And well, I mean, I'm an, I'm an example of one of those people, right? But actually we all have these like micro traumas and yeah. those can also impact us if you have enough of them. Like I have a physical reaction to um, money, you know, my, my beliefs around money, my limiting beliefs around money, my my judgments of like what is worth what or what other people will spend on what like it it hurts me and and has been a huge topic for me in therapy and it stems from my childhood about mm-hmm. how i was raised to value money how i was taught like you are only able to be of enough like to be worthy of so much money or you're only able to earn enough if you put yourself like if you work 5 days a week 40 hours a week like do do you see what I'm saying there like you this is the only way and this is what money is worth and how how dare you spend money on this kind of thing how wasteful that is and like that is a very traumatic thing for me that I hold and so if I'm ever in a situation where money is important which is every day I'm carrying that stress with me so working through all those different things like and I'm so sorry about what you went through as a child thank um, you yeah but but working through that those big traumas and those little traumas is absolutely game-changing for this kind yeah of thing. yeah and and think financial stress is like one of the top things on people's stresses like if you look at research and stuff so yeah it's it's really important to look at all this kind of stuff um the the more subtle stuff, if you want to say the deeper stuff. Um, and even with the stress, uh, well, another thing I feel like that's not looked at is what are we putting on our bodies, especially as women? I had this actual conversation with my sister-in-law last night, like, especially as women, we wear cosmetics, like our makeup, something men don't do really, <laughs> but like, think of your um, vanilla lotion that you want to put on. Cause it smells good, but like all that is chemicals and all that could affect our HPA access. We don't realize it. And that could impact our, us getting our periods as well. So it's, those are the, are like the soaps that we're using and detergents and stuff. So those are other things that I like to, uh, bring attention to, to my clients. And just when I talk about this stuff. Yeah. Like the, the toxicity, I haven't really done an episode and I I really should like talk to some more people about, about this subject, but even just the act of like removing those things from your environment can create this like feeling inside of you that you're doing something for yourself like it doesn't have to come from a restricted restrictive mindset yeah I like that as well it it doesn't really I mean you depending on how you want to look at it you could actually look at it as like you're giving yourself something Mm -hmm. like exactly having you know um just knowing what you're putting like uh for I'm just trying to think uh just kind of losing sorry my train of thought here okay just knowing what kind of products you're putting on you And a lot of people just don't know, but if you, you know, you could get resources. I have resources that I give to people. Um, Where are you getting your makeup from? What hair dyes are you using? What shampoo are you using? What soap are you using? Your nail polish, what dish dish detergent or clothing 
like laundry detergent are you using? All of these things, they add up. And when you think about how much of it you might use a day, I don't really, I don't wear makeup often. Um, I like, I know that I live a very low toxicity life because the most I do really is wash my dishes and I wash my hair like twice a week. So I know, but, but other people are heavily heavy makeup every day. They have like a skincare routine with potentially products that are like, you know, drug, the drugstore products that are not like yeah. those, those high integrity, awesome brands like beauty counter. Yeah. It adds up doing an inventory or an audit of like, what are you, what are you actually like putting on your, on your skin or in your body every day? Yeah. And a great way to like, I think make women understand like, wow, how much it could impact us for any women that may have low um, progesterone, think your doctor could prescribe you a progesterone cream that you mm. rub into your forearm, yes. right? I've always thought this is like, that's how impactful topical treatment can be. Yeah. So think if you're just rubbing that into your forearm and it's supposed to fix your hormones, think of all the other crap that you're putting onto your skin and what's that doing to your hormones on the other side. That is such a great, uh, yeah, just like analogy comparison. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, 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 if, like I said, I'm not too sure how much like the setting you've done, but you know, like that stuff are from what I know is, um, it just impacts your HPA axis, which is the, the start point of what's going to impact us having our periods and our amenorrhea. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole rabbit hole because there's so many different products made out of so many different things that can impact every, every different organ inside like your skin is an organ your skin is a living breathing organ so like i don't know imagine if you were just like putting a cream on your lung you'd be like what (laughs) yeah and i i haven't done a lot of research into that area because it's not something like i've always not worn makeup and used like so it's never been something that has been a deep dive for me um but i've always known intuitively I suppose like, yeah, I don't know, just having your mom in your face where you're just like, oh, when you woke up in the morning, you still had last night's makeup on and people are like, that's really bad for you. <laughs> I just know not to put things on, you know, not on my skin as much. Yeah. So yeah. one last thing for you to worry about, which is great. It really is. <laughs> like if I just don't do it, I don't have to worry about it. But I am actually at this point where I'm like, I'm officially, I'm 28 and I'm like seeing that I don't look 23 anymore. I'm like, oh, what do I do? And everyone's like, you need a skincare routine. And I'm like, shit. (laughs) I think you look great. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I have some other questions for you though. Um, Sure. with With the bikini prep thing, there's a lot of people who are like, whoa, they need to address some further things with with being able to bikini prep and mm-hmm. um do and, and have a healthy period so you had mentioned you were at 19 percent body fat which for you which for you worked out as being a health like a healthier place for you to to be yeah um and it sounds like you probably got lower as well yeah and still maintained a period so for the first show, I, I believe I was around 11% body fat. And, but that's when I lost my period. Um, yeah. My shows after I was probably around there too. 12, like, cause you, you got to lean out, but I just kept my fats up. Um, I know for my shows following, like the week of my prep, I was still, I think I was having 35 grams of fat, which I know is a bit low as a female you want. 45 to 70, depending on how big you are. I'm five feet. So I am on the shorter side. So I don't need Mm -hmm. as much, but, um, having that 35 and being very mindful of getting rest seemed to work for me. And I just became super in touch with like how I was feeling. Um, can I ask when you were going through this time, mm -hmm. uh, we talked before about how you had your priorities. And so you would lessen your priorities elsewhere to focus on this one place. So you weren't overstretched during this time. Did you do that and spend less time, you know, working or, or whatever else so that you could facilitate that rest? Yes, I did. So, um, I stopped teaching yoga. 
I was only teaching twice a night, but I was not teaching yoga at all through that prep and preps like three and a half months. Um, uh, like I said earlier, I went for massages every Friday. So I'd do my workout and the massage place was right across the road. So that was just like my routine. Um, what else? Uh, I still worked full time, but say like my last two weeks, I wasn't working full days. Um, as an occupational therapist, I, I was very lucky where I was working. So I'd tell my boss, I'm like, can I only work six hour days? And um, so that means you don't have to take a lunch legally. And <laughs> so it freed me up two and a half hours a day. I will admit this too. I would take naps in my car at lunch. Um, I would just go and nap in the car. And that 20 minutes was, it was amazing. Like I, I just needed it and it was perfect. Um, the other big thing I will say, uh, my third, so my first two shows I ate meat and then I went vegan and I noticed a huge change in my energy. Um, I know there's mixed things. Some women don't work well on a, you know, vegan plant-based diet, but for me, my energy was so much better. I recovered quicker. Uh, my coworkers had seen me through all the prepping for all my shows and they were even surprised. They were like, wow, you're competing next week. So I'd wear scrubs to work. So you couldn't really see my body, but just energy wise or like remembered me, like basically wanting to sleep at work at my desk. Um, but here I was like jumping around and, you know, had just so much energy. So those are like the big things that, um, I know. And like I was saying, I would do meditation every day, uh, just do anything to really keep my body in a calm state, especially after training. Yeah. So this is so interesting. There's going to be a lot of women listening who are almost like truthfully confused now there. Um, yeah. Cause this is like going against what they've heard. So what I, the point that I really want to iterate here is, um, the huge lifestyle changes that Kim made, that you made, to facilitate your ability to do this competition. Look, bikini prep, bodybuilding, these kinds of shows, they are not healthy to do. Like being an athlete is not necessarily healthy. There's a misconception there. You're yeah. putting yourself through stress. You're pushing yourself to the limits. What you did here was a couple of things. You really, you took as much stress as you absolutely could off yourself to facilitate basically this, this small famine. Right. Yeah. And there's probably an element here where like not everyone can do what you did and have this result. And I don't think I could get down to 19% body fat soon um, and maintain my period and do that on a vegan diet. Like everyone is individual. And I want to say there's this aspect of like figuring out what works for you mm -hmm. and that you're not necessarily saying, oh, everyone should go on vegan diet. You're saying be really open to figuring out what you need. Yes. Um, yeah. Talk a bit more about that and, and what is, um, yeah. Yeah, I actually, I, no, I have a few comments to that. So first, yeah, bikini competitions, like that's a whole, like you're on the far end of the spectrum. Like that's not, if you want to say the <clears throat> normal thing to do. Um, and, but what I will say to that is a lot of women, sure you're not on the level of that low of body fat and maybe working out at that intensity for two hours, three hours a day, but there are still a lot of women that are athletes and going to the gym or to their spin or their hit class six times a week and still doing super high intensity stuff and not eating enough. So even though we wouldn't title them as an athlete, they're kind of still living that athletic life. You understand what I'm saying? So that's where you still need to be mindful of like, really how much energy am I putting into all this stuff? Am I feeding my body enough? And as you mentioned, like being an athlete does put stress on your body. And I think that's something people don't realize is that is considered a physical stress. So you might have to take some of that out. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't, 
do your HIIT class, but maybe only do a couple HIIT classes a week and then do a nice restorative yoga class. And just switching gears actually a little bit on where I'm going with this is through our cycles, like, so you, it, talking as if you still have your period to prevent it from, from losing it, depending where we are in our cycle also could determine what type of exercises we should be doing. Um, if for any women that are listening, you may, I notice this in myself now, um, you know, two, three days before your period or during your period, when you just feel like I don't have as much energy, that's your body talking to you. It's because your hormones are dropped to their lowest point. So do your gentle yoga class, <clears throat> you know, two weeks after your, your bleed, when you're around ovulation, that's when you're feeling like more energized that's around the time where you should do more of your HIIT classes and your high intensity stuff because your hormones are up, your testosterone's up, you're actually gonna get more muscle gains and stuff. So you could learn to train with your cycle to prevent your cycle from being lost too. Yeah, I mean, which is something that you have to do once you have your cycle. Most women listening don't have one, right? Don't but it, but that's the thing, right? Like HA is not forever and, and having to do the work to get your period back is not forever. And, and a lot of women are like, my identity is gone. I'm never going to come back to these things that I love. Um, I chat with a, quite a few people who are like ex bikini mm -hmm. and, you know, a number of them are like, I, I, I'm still in a frame of mind where this is something that I miss and I want to go back to. And the thing that I say is like, if it's truly for you, it will be there when, when you're on the other side yeah. and what you'll have learned is how you can go back to what to doing that kind of thing without getting back in the situation in the first place and maybe it will look different like maybe you can't compete as many times a year as you used to or maybe you uh, have to adapt your training if you like you can't push yourself in training and push yourself in diet and there has to be this give and take and I'm wondering for you like what's different there because we haven't touched much on your on how you trained both to get your period back and to maintain it so um throughout my shows like actual prep I'd say my training was just as intense like throughout but I made those other adaptions uh, um yeah I adopt or just changed my lifestyle to go with when I was training when I came off prep and to get my period back, let me think, I still, I probably say I still was in the gym training. I, I really cut back on my actual running. I wasn't really doing running. So cardio is like a big thing that I cut out. I would still weight train, but I wasn't training um, is heavy lifting. I was doing more, you know, that maintenance, like, a middle ground weight training, um, and, you know, higher reps, like 12, 15, 20 reps. This is really important. I almost like want to reiterate it. I did the same thing. I cut out cardio a lot, um, but I continued to train throughout. And yes, there was this training, to an intensity that that is to maintain your no nothing that's like getting you to the point where you're crying and like grunt, grunting heavily yeah um I, I think that's really important like that you can strength train throughout recovery most people can um as long as they're training smart not hard um uh, I just I wanted to reiterate that point yeah no and, and I think that's important I think that's great that you did um and the other thing I did, um, I was going to Pilates a lot more. I like the reformer Pilates. Mm -hmm. So it's low, low impact, but I don't know if you've ever been on one of those machines, like you're still get turning your core on. So I just switched gears, did, um, a little bit more of that, but I definitely was taking about three days off a week, like doing nothing and did a lot of restorative mm. stuff at home a lot of restorative yoga and just sounds practice. like this was really game-changing part for you it, it was it really was and um I think because I already was a yoga instructor I was just like so in tune with my body and this is the other big thing even if I plan to go to the gym on Monday and I just felt tired I listened to that and gave myself permission just to not go and was okay with it instead of feeling guilty. 
And I think that's like a big thing. Like, you know, we feel like we, especially if the women that are listening and you've lost your period and you are that type A woman and you want to go to the gym and you feel you have to get this done and you have to get this done, listen to your body and just give yourself permission. You're not going to the gym one day is not going to kill you. It's actually Mm -hmm. probably going to make you feel and heal you and make you feel so much better for the following day. Dude, can I just say my gains went through the roof when I stopped pushing myself to go to the gym when I was tired. Now I have, I just have so much more muscle and I have no idea how this is happening because my intensity was, I I really didn't start to like push the intensity much more. I just took more rest days and I saw more gains. So I also thought that was a really interesting um, takeaway. Well, there is some science a little bit behind that too, Mm -hmm. because if we keep pushing ourselves as we've spoke, it's, physical stress on the body. Mm-hmm. Well, physical stress on the body creates inflammation and increases cortisol and cortisol will actually, um, if we have too much of it, we're, it could get converted into fat and we're not actually getting the gains that we want. So like you said, have taking that extra rest and all of a sudden you're like, I'm getting gains. Like, especially if you're like pushing yourself, and you know, so you're like that belly fat just doesn't want to go away that, you know, that could be a part of the reason why, because you just really are, it's like counterintuitive of what your actual goal is for. So I I like ladies listening, just really listen to your body and give yourself permission. It is okay to take a rest day or two rest days. You are going to thank yourself the following days. And especially as you, you know, as you get your period back. And I mean, some, I, there's a book, I can't remember. I know there's a couple, no, I think it's called no period. Now what I haven't read it. I haven't read it, but I've heard just the term all in from it all the time. And like the all in is like doing absolutely no exercise. And I'm, I don't know if I fully agree with that. Some women might have to do that initially. Some women, you know, and I have seen that. And even though it's like no exercise, you could still go for a walk, go for a hike, you know, because I know if personally with myself, if I cut everything out, doing absolutely nothing would cause me so much stress that I'm doing nothing. And I'd feel so not in tune with my body. Mm -hmm. it, It would slow down my healing process. So it's, it's finding what works for each person. Like each one of my clients, I address in a different way because everyone has their own needs and where they're at. Yes. Like there's not really a right and wrong way. Um, I think it's okay to experiment and there's definitely a camp of people out there. And if any of you guys listening are in these camps, I just like invite you to question or or challenge yourself. Yeah. But like you, there doesn't have to be a one way to recover. I feel like a lot of the people who you know, people are very passionate about the Ole method. I think there's absolute validity. I think the book is great. I have an episode with um, Nicola Rinaldi, the author early on. And, and so there's a lot of great science in there. And the protocol I think is really fitted to people who they're getting their period back is priority number one right now. Like Mm -hmm. I need it back tomorrow because I want to start a family. Yeah. And, and so like, that is what works for those people in that situation. Then there are people like you and I, where that's not our priority. We absolutely want to get our periods back. We've learned the benefits, but we have a decade or more of habitual diet and exercise that we can't just undo in one day. And we don't have the, um, that motivation for like a child or something like that, that's like helping us push through right now. So all that going all in is going to do is cause us extreme stress. Yeah. So, and, and I see it all of the time. And so there's some people who it absolutely works for, and I'm pumped for you guys because that is truly the simplest way to get your period back. But for those of you who like you're ex bikini or you're an athlete, like you're a weightlifting athlete or an endurance athlete. And, and giving all of that up tomorrow is not feasible because you're replacing one stress with another stress. Mm-hmm. There is, you have the opportunity to, to try a little bit of this and okay, that didn't work. I'm going to try this and, and find what works for you. For me, I could work, I could go into the gym and I could do one or two compound lifts three, three times a week. And 
and do super low, like do some walking in that and, and really focus on getting enough energy in and focus on my stress and I could get my period back. For Kim, it was a very similar thing where she was like, I really want to continue bikini. I'm not ready to let go of that. I'm going to give this a shot. And I'm sure that if it didn't work for you, you would have continued to make adjustments and gotten to where you needed to go, but it worked for you. Yeah. And yeah, it works for me. I will admit this. So if I would have lost my period for another seven months after that second show, I would have called it quits. This, this, um, as in called bikini, called bikini, competing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but, but, but like we've spoken already, um, bikini is like on the extreme. So I would have been, wouldn't have done a third or fourth or fifth show. I would have still, of course, worked out. I would have got my period back and found that balance of like where I could work out, but I wouldn't have done another show. And, um, but thankfully, um, how I adapted, I was able to compete again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that was your process and your, and this is why I really like individualized coaching and working with someone when you have your period, because when, when you're doing it by yourself and you're like listening to all the episodes of this podcast and you're reading the books and the blogs that you can find on the topic, you're really having to like figure out a path for yourself. And this can be really difficult, especially if you're not accustomed to making paths for people. <laughs> to do things yeah definitely and um I mean even right now I have two coaches for myself not from a, an athlete perspective but um more from a, a business and personal perspective and it's beautiful because they hold a mirror for you that you might not see yourself but when you know you're going through your own process yeah. and they hold you accountable to stuff yeah, you not just like flip-flopping because you could decide, oh, I'm going to do this and now I'm going to change my mind. And then your coach could be like, hey, like this month we're committing to this process and chill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then these stressors that we were speaking of earlier, would you think of this stuff on your own? You might not. But as you speak to your coach, you know, well, you might and you have reasons why it doesn't apply to you. Whereas when you, when you have your coach, you have to convince them. You have to rationally defend your crazy ass thought processes. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> the coach will push down that ego for you because the ego is going to want to tell you so many things. And as soon as you overcome the ego once, it's going to pop up again. So no, that is a beautiful thing um, about coaching. And even when you're saying about the individualized stuff, um, even when it comes to diet, um, I don't really believe in a specific diet, like whether it's keto or this, you know, um, everyone's different. And there's even some research just, you know, saying with women in keto diets, like that could actually throw your hormones off and cause um, a loss yeah. because it throws off your blood sugar. So um, in general, and I follow this type of diet, when, um, not so much right now, but um, a macro diet. And like yeah. a lot of listeners right now is like, what's a macro diet, right? And a, a lot of them lost their periods on a macro diet, but a lot of them also were able to use it as a tool to eat enough carbs and fats to get their period back. So macros get a bad rap. Yeah. And I just, I don't like to like get people like fixated on it. I like mm -hmm. to just educate so that they know, so they, like you say, have a bit of a tool just so that they know that they're getting at least enough fats and proteins, like, yeah. especially I feel like the fats is where, it, where it's usually too low. So just they have an idea of like, oh, I could kind of track to see like, what kind of if I, that I'm getting enough fats into my diet. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, like your experiences that they're getting it really low. And my experience um, is similar, but then I just did a Q and A with registered dietitian Kaylee. Um, by the time this episode comes out, that one will have already come out. And I asked her that question, what do you see more, uh, a deficit in carbs or in fats? And she said, I see it more in a deficit in carbs. I was like, anecdotally, I see it in fats. And it's just because as well, the circle you run in. And I think like, if you're working with a lot of people doing bikini or, or any kind of like physique goal, you're going to see a, um, a regular deficit in fats. But if you're someone who works more with like the average population, women who are just like moms want to lose weight then then just like are going to the gym and you know what I'm saying they're yeah. more on the um the low carb side of things so it's like a little bit of the the circle you run in but we're seeing it we're seeing it prominent in both sides of things if you are having a significant deficit in one or the other there is an impact on your hormones that is going to happen yeah 
Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I just want to address that because I, I know that um, people can just get confused being like, which is more important because this person says this and this person says this. And it's like, I honestly just think it's, they're both really important and we're, we're feeling like one is more important than the other because we're hearing that based on the different experiences of the different people, if that makes sense. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up. I think that's great. Um, and, um, kind of what we've spoke to is every person's going to be different too. Like I might be okay on a lower carb diet, but I might not be okay on a lower fat, whereas you might be the opposite. And then the other thing with the carbs too, is just also what kind of carbs are you eating? That doesn't mean go eat a whole bunch of donuts and French fries (laughs) and stuff. Cause sometimes you see that and people, um, don't really realize, you know, even like a bagel, like all that gluten, gluten could impact you. Yeah. And and there too, that's individualized as well. Some people have more of a sensitivity, but that's something that you could look at that could be impacting you getting your period. So there's just so many, there's so, it's so complex. It is so complex. So like, basically if you make a small adjustment, if you're making small adjustments, it's not working really work with a professional, someone who can help you see, do you have these sensitivities? Have you tried this long enough? Have you, have you actually measured, um, you know, progress and symptoms here? Like, is there something that you're not seeing because you're so stressed out about it? Like there's so many moving parts. So I, this has been a really um, interesting conversation. I'm really grateful that you've come on because we've really talked about it from just a different perspective than most of the guests that I have on the show, which is the perspective of like, of like, some of us can do this. We, some of us can get our periods back and maintain this type of lifestyle. And some of us can't, and it's okay to figure out which one you are at and you don't have to do the all in method from day one if that's not what's going to work for you from day one, if you need that evidence and that getting support is really important. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm happy I was able to share. And if any of the listeners are interested in getting any one-on-one coaching to get your period back, um, as you've heard me speak. uh, So my actual business name is called Amala Living. Amala means pure mentally, physically, emotionally. And that's an approach that I take. Like it's just not a diet thing and it's just not exercise and stress it's all encompassing and i look at all areas and we will go through this journey together so you could find me on instagram at kim billick my last name b-i-l-y-k underscore or at my website um www.amala a-m-a-l-a dash living.com Awesome. And I'll put all of the links to that in the show notes, guys. Go check out Kim. Go ask her any questions that came up for you um, while listening to this. And I hope you all have an amazing day. And I love all of you. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.